It started out as individual observations. It was a person here and a person there who'd say, I got rid of dairy and my asthma went away. And so many people have seen that, that it's great to see what happens when you actually put this to the test. And you do see a number of people where their asthma improves, so they're no longer using their inhaler so much, or maybe not at all, and other cases where the asthma just flat out goes away. Well, hello there. And welcome to another special edition of the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen or a view or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. And we are continuing our effort to keep you informed and healthy amid this coronavirus pandemic. And we sincerely hope that you and your loved ones are doing well. Now, we've heard a lot about comorbidities increasing the likelihood that someone becomes seriously ill if they are unfortunately infected with the COVID-19 virus. And today we will be examining one of those conditions that is near the top of the list. We're going to be talking about asthma. Now, all of the data that's coming in right now, it is still brand new. We still have a lot to learn. But preliminarily, doctors and researchers believe that someone with asthma is more than six times as likely to die from that virus than someone who has no other underlying condition. Want to get specific about it and go by the numbers? Someone who has a clean bill of health has less than a 1% chance of dying. But for someone with asthma, that number jumps all the way up to 6.3%. That is an enormous increase. And that is why I wanted to welcome Drs. Neil Barnard and Hanna Kaliova back to the show today. They are part of a team who just published a new study on the effects that a plant-based diet can have on asthma. What type of benefit could an asthma sufferer experience if they drive past that drive through and instead go home to eat a healthy plant-based meal? What would happen if they get off of that standard American diet and instead start pumping up the amount of fruits and vegetables that they're eating? Well, the findings in this study, they are quite promising and perhaps more timely than ever, given what we're experiencing. Rolling right along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Right now, we're going to zero in on asthma. You know, we hear a lot, especially right now with this global COVID-19 pandemic. We hear so much about respiratory issues. And one of the biggest ones, the most prevalent ones out there is asthma. And right upstairs uh, is Dr. Hanna Kaliova. She is part of the team that just uh, put out this new paper, The Role of Nutrition in Asthma Prevention and Treatment. Dr. Hanna Kaliova, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chuck. And of course, we can't neglect Dr. Neil Barnard, who has also taken the time to join us today. Thank you, Chuck. This is really exciting research, uh, Dr. Kaliova, that you and your team have put together uh, for asthma. Uh, First of all, for those who really aren't too familiar with it, can you give us a little bit of background on what asthma actually is? 
Uh, asthma is a respiratory condition where the uh, airways become uh, inflamed and also obstructed uh, from time to time. And uh, 10 Americans die daily uh, uh, from asthma, which, you know, makes a, roughly uh, three and a half thousand deaths uh, per year from asthma. And most importantly, uh, asthma can be treated. So with the right treatment and uh, right care, including the nutrition uh, intervention, uh, many of the deaths can be prevented. That's really good to know. Uh, I, I do enjoy some good preventative nutrition. So uh, I'm glad that you, you guys have put this together. Um, Let's talk specifically about nutrition here and asthma. You know, what are the do's and the don'ts? Talk to me about the correlation here. Uh, so let's start. Uh, let's start with some uh, with some in- exciting studies. By all uh, means. So what? Um, Dairy is one of the main uh, dietary components that seems to be harming asthma. It seems to be increasing the prevalence of asthma and also uh, impairing the symptoms once you have asthma. Uh, one study um, gave to uh, volunteers um, a dairy-free diet for uh, two weeks versus um, a diet that contained dairy. And in uh, 8 out of 20 participants, uh, the dairy in the diet actually triggered asthma symptoms. Wow. 8 out of 20, that's, that's right. almost half. That's a huge in percentage. In only two weeks. It was a short study. Uh, another study that was a little bit longer, that was eight weeks long, was done in children. Uh, so for eight weeks, these children were off dairy or uh, they still consumed a diet that contained dairy. Uh, And the dairy-free diet improved uh, the respiratory um, performance measured by spirometry by by 22%. Wow. Dr. Barnard, you hear these figures, and I know you and I have talked extensively about dairy on this show before. You hear figures like this. Any surprise to you? Um, the important thing is that it started out as individual observations. It was a person here and a person there who would say, I got rid of dairy and my asthma went away. Um, and so many people have seen that, that it's great to see what happens when you actually put this to the test in clinical trials. And you do see a number of people where their asthma improves, so they're no longer using their inhaler so much or maybe not at all, and other cases where the asthma just flat out goes away when they avoid dairy. And as you said at the outset, Right now is a time where there's a respiratory virus, and the cause of death of people who succumb to COVID-19, it's typically respiratory collapse, Mm -hmm. uh, pneumonia, um, also some cardiovascular conditions, all of which relate to diet. So uh, let's say a person has asthma. They're listening to this podcast. They're listening to what Dr. Kaliova is saying. They make a decision, okay. Almond milk is sounding pretty good right now. Um, forget the, the cow's milk products. And I might mention even uh, goat milk and sheep milk. They are still animal-derived milk products. And what we suspect is the issue is the animal protein. Um, we talked a lot about the fat, the cholesterol, the estrogens. But I am going to guess, uh, back me up on this uh, and see what you think, but I'm going to guess it's probably the protein that's eliciting this inflammatory reaction in the lungs, and that makes you a setup for further respiratory issues. So now is the time to ditch it. And I, I know I, I could just hear the parents who are thinking, wait a minute, I've got to give milk to my child. They need, they need that protein. Your, your children are going to get plenty of protein without animal products. 
Um, they do not need dairy. They're better off without it. Can you talk, Dr. Kaleova, a little bit about the inflammatory response that the body has when it consumes dairy, when we eat dairy? Uh, yeah, uh, so it's it's the protein, but it's also the fat. Mm-hmm. So a high-fat diet per se also increases inflammation uh, in the respiratory tract and in our airways. So uh, it's important to, um, you know, keep the fat content of our diet also also fairly low. Not only skipping the dairy, but also um, keeping the fat content low. And that's important to note, especially given I believe that the current dietary guidelines are for consuming three cups of dairy per day. So, yeah. And also the connection with COVID-19. So the fatality rate uh, without any comorbidities right now is uh, roughly under 1%, 0.9%. However, for people with asthma, it's 6.3%. And it's even higher for people with cardiovascular disease. It's 10.5%. So that shows us the importance of taking care of your asthma and of your cardiovascular disease and the same um, is true for diabetes and our other comorbidities. That's that's pretty staggering. Ten and a half percent. That's wow. Um, you know, one of the things that we've also talked a lot about on this show before is how effective a plant-based diet can be as far as protecting the heart. Um, I would assume that a lot of kind of you get that same prote- uh, protective um, element with asthma here, correct? If you adopt a plant-based diet, what did you guys discover? Uh, exactly. There are different components of a plant-based diet that are protective. So uh, we have known for a long time that fruit and vegetable consumption are protective against asthma development, but, but also improve the symptoms in, in people who already have asthma. Uh, the the effect is fairly strong, and uh, that's why it's even in the official recommendations uh, for people with asthma to consume 1.5 to 2 cups of fruit per day and 2 to 3 cups of vegetables per day. However, only about 12% of Americans meet these uh, recommendations on fruit intake, and only 9% consume enough vegetables, according to these recommendations. We hear those recommendations specifically for people with asthma. Dr. Barnard, do you know if that three cups of dairy a day also applies to those with asthma? Is is that part of the recommended um, diet? Well, the, uh, typical government guidelines push dairy for everybody, um, and it's, it's really unfortunate they should not do that. Now, I, I should hasten to, to add that when we're discussing the, the benefits of getting away from dairy, um, these are things that, that turn out to be important in general. Um, d- when people avoid animal products, their likelihood of developing high blood pressure goes down. Their blood pressure itself will go down to healthier levels. Their likelihood of developing diabetes will go down if they avoid animal products. If they have diabetes, they'll get under better control. Ditto with asthma. Nobody has done the test to see if uh, on a vegan diet are you more or less likely to get COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Nobody's done that test, and frankly, I hope nobody does that test as a clinical trial because it would obviously be unethical. But what we are noticing is that if it, all of the signs point to keeping yourself healthy, all those underlying conditions that make a person more vulnerable uh, to the effects of the virus, they are all subject 
to the effects of nutrition. So put the nutrition to work. Um, but you still have to do everything else. You still got to wash your hands. You still got to uh, maintain appropriate uh, public health measures, just like just like ever. Uh, but plug in the nutrition part of it. And all the evidence that we have to date says this is a good idea. Dr. Kaliova, um, talking specific about asthma, but I do believe that one of the things that you discovered was that a uh, increased fruit and vegetable consumption overall uh, is associated with improved lung function, correct? That's correct. Talk, yes. talk to me about how that is. Uh, and that's correct. And uh, just to tackle on uh, the viral infections in people with asthma, uh, those may be, um, you know, more dangerous for them because they're uh, at a higher risk of developing pneumonia uh, and uh, respiratory distress. Uh, so what can people with asthma do specifically to protect themselves against um, viral disease? Uh, so Fruit and vegetable consumption in general is definitely uh, helpful uh, because of the high uh, uh, content of antioxidants and high content of fiber, all of which are anti-inflammatory. Uh, but I was also looking at some specific foods that might help um, protect uh, against viral infections. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is garlic. Uh, I found a review paper uh, and I found a, a fascinating uh, placebo-controlled randomized clinical trial using garlic in four, 146 uh, people. Um, they were using a garlic supplement containing 180 milligrams of allicin. So these were tablets that you can uh, get in, in a pharmacy store. Um, this would correspond to roughly two to three cloves of garlic per day. Uh, and uh, the placebo group uh, um, just was receiving a placebo once a day for 12 weeks. And this was done over the course of a typical flu season uh, from starting in November, finishing in, in February. Uh, and uh, garlic supplementation decreased the occurrence of common flu. Um, there were only 24 occurrences of common cold in the garlic intervention group versus 75 in the placebo group, so almost three times lower. And uh, garlic supplementation also uh, decreased uh, almost three times the number of sick days in the, in the intervention group. So garlic seems to be like pretty, um, you know, pretty good for, uh, for the prevention of viral infections. And the key is to have your garlic on your vegetables and not right. in a glass of milk. Right. Ah, yes. Right, because garlic <laughs> milk is so delicious. Delicious. Uh, I think the also key is to carry a toothbrush with you to work, you know, so you can have that garlic on the salad well, at lunchtime. May I say garlic also promotes social distancing. It, see? <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Um, Dr. Kaliova, I want to go back to fiber real quick, uh, if if you can. Um, I know but that... But we have a few more antiviral components, uh, so we, we need to mention them as well. What do you got? Uh, so another uh, another one is resveratrol, um, which has been found to be helpful against many kinds of viruses, uh, including influenza, respiratory sensitive vi virus, uh, Epstein-Barr virus, and uh, and many other viruses. So that's another component of many plant foods, uh, like for example. Um, contained in peanuts, um, but also in grapes and strawberries and blueberries. Now, that's the one where people talk about wine. 
all the time. Right. They say, this mm, is the reason right. to drink wine, uh-huh. because of resveratrol. Um, and it may have health benefits. I often wonder, is this some uh, commercial entity promoting mm. their wine or their grapes? And I think that uh, influence may be there. But nonetheless, these studies do seem to show an effect that is rather consistent. Um, it doesn't have to be the wine. It can be the grape. Right. That's, that's good to know. Um, yeah. And uh, a third food that might be helpful specifically against viruses is ginger. Uh, there's uh, one more paper on ginger. So garlic, uh, resveratrol, and ginger seem to be working against viruses specifically. Well, two out of the three of those, it's interesting that you mentioned garlic and ginger specifically. Uh, those two, I was just uh, talking with Dr. Cyrus Kambata. You're familiar with you him bet. from the Mastering Diabetes program. Uh, we recorded a segment um, today, and he was telling me specifically that garlic and ginger have a really solid immune-boosting effect for people with diabetes. I did not know that before today. A number of these things have been tested, um, and I think we have to be cautious all the time mm-hmm. because people, it's tantalizing to think, I can still eat my pork chops as long as I have some ginger in a capsule mm-hmm. for breakfast, and I don't think we <laughs> want to go there. So um, as mm-hmm. Dr. Kaliova says, you got to look at the evidence. Mm-hmm. Look at the studies. Look at the quality of the studies. Look at the consistency of evidence. Um, and none of this, um, it, let me, I said this before, but let me say it again. People haven't tested ginger or garlic against COVID-19. Mm-hmm. What they're mm-hmm. doing is they're looking at it, their effect either on immune function mm-hmm. or their effect on other kinds of viruses that are similar. And then when this mm-hmm. pandemic came in, they're saying, okay, here's what we know mm-hmm. from other viruses. Let's apply it now. Mm-hmm. Right. See, so that's where we are. Uh, real quick, uh, I did need to get back to fiber. Otherwise, Lee Crosby would send me an email <laughs> and just say, this just cannot happen. You need to retape the, the interview. Uh, how much fiber do you recommend that somebody eats per day to get those benefits here? Uh, the recommendations is uh, around 40 grams per day. 40 grams. And that's easy enough to do on a plant-based mm-hmm. diet. We've talked about that quite a bit in the past. Um, one of the things that uh, Jihad, your assistant, uh, she sent me um, a ton of notes. I mean, just a fantastic job. She wrote down specifically in bright red font, uh, mm-hmm. mind you, about the risk factors of the Western diet, the standard American mm-hmm. diet. So talk to me. We've talked about the benefits of a plant-based diet. Let's look at the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. So uh, the components that are super risky on a Western diet are the saturated fat, but also the the ratio between the omega-6 and omega-3s, uh, fatty acids. Um, and another uh, important factor is if your diet is high in fat, in, in it increases uh, your risk of getting obese uh, and also changes your body composition. You're more likely to deposit some more visceral fat compared with a person who doesn't consume as much saturated fat. Dr. Barnard, real quick for those uh, who are omega-3, omega-6, what's the difference? What is the difference? Okay. Um, Without uh, anybody needing to have a Ph.D. in this, um, omega-3 and omega-6 are just terms that chemists use. Mm -hmm. When they're looking at a fat molecule, you count along the carbon atoms, and if you go from the end back three uh, three atoms in, if there's a double bond there, that's called an omega-3. Omega is the end. But if, it, if you have to count back six to find the first double bond, that's an omega-6. This will not be on the test. <laughs> um, so that's, that's where the words came from. Um, but what they really mean is omega-3s are the ones that people often think of as good fats. Gotcha. Um, the, there's an essential fatty acid ca- called alpha-linolenic acid. It's in broccoli. It's in, in green vegetables. These are humble f- uh, 
foods that don't have a lot of fat, but what they have proportionally is high in omega-3. And then there's lots more of it in certain seeds and nuts and, and other things. Um, the basic thing is if you have a lot of these healthful foods, green leafy vegetables, the occasional seed and nut, and you don't have a lot of the competing fats, you don't have animal fats at all, and you're not having a lot of fryer grease in your diet, then those omega-3 fats can, can, can help you. They're essential for lots of functions in the body. Dr. Kaliova, I want to pivot back to somebody who is obese. And I think back to at a time when I was still 420 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that my respiratory system was basically being working – it was mm -hmm. working overtime to carry around mm -hmm. that much weight. Mm -hmm. Is that just kind of a fair thing to say? Like, <laughs> That's correct, yeah. What – you know, I, I mean the risk though I would assume mm -hmm. of being obese goes beyond just taxing that respiratory system because mm -hmm. you're working a little bit harder to move. Mm -hmm. What else is going on when a person is overweight? Uh, if you're overweight, your immune uh, function is also compromised as many studies have shown. Uh, you are at a higher risk of developing sleep apnea, uh, which, you know, puts you at a higher risk of um, developing also other chronic conditions uh, like cardiovascular disease and diabetes, um, but also some, some types of cancer. So there's many reasons uh, why to watch your healthy body weight mm -hmm. and stay within the healthy BMI range. All right. You know, one thing, let me jump in real quick. Uh, all of the changes that, that are helping, helping these things, a person goes vegan because they want to lose weight, mm -hmm. or they're getting away from dairy and animal products because they want to improve their asthma. Um, and these things happen every day. You, you see these improvements all the time uh, with some variability from person to person, but you, you do see them. The funny thing is you see all kinds of other unintended effects. Um, what person's mm -hmm. trying to lose weight, but their cholesterol goes down and their blood pressure goes mm -hmm. down. All these things happen at the same time. But specifically with asthma, the person who gets away from dairy, they often find not only does their asthma get better, but often allergies will get better. Their, mm -hmm. their sensitivity to seasonal uh, allergens, pollens in the air. Um, even uh, pet, pet or like cat dander, mm -hmm. dog dander, um, their allergies to these things often go down. We don't know why the heck that is. It's just a consistent observation. What we think is happening is that the dairy proteins seem to, or perhaps the dairy fat, they seem to sensitize us not just to that protein causing a reaction, but they seem to make your body more sensitive to all sorts of other factors too. So when you get the dairy out of your diet, suddenly you pet your, your cat without, without getting symptoms. Mm -hmm. uh, the seasonal allergies aren't so bad. It's not that you were allergic to the dairy, but the dairy made your other allergies worse. Again, we don't know why. It's just a, a, a consistent effect that we see. That's fascinating yeah. to me. Um, okay, so here's let's, – let's play devil's advocate. Somebody says, okay, well, if I can't eat dairy, how in the world am I going to get vitamin D? What role does vitamin D play in all of this, Dr. Kaliova? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, most of our population is vitamin D deficient, uh, especially now over the winter months. So it's been recommended to supplement vitamin D uh, over the winter months, uh, and that's the most reliable source. Um, um, other than that, you know, we, we get enough vitamin D if we get 
about 30 minutes in the sun, uh, which is not always possible, uh, but it's one one way uh, because it can be formed uh, in our skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to necessarily get it through the diet. Uh, vitamin D is fat soluble, uh, so we can get some vitamin B, and it it it, it is also added to some of the uh, some of the foods. Some of the foods are fortified, like some some cereals and some plant-based milks are fortified. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. Uh, easy enough there. Um, you have just an enormous stack of papers. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, what else? Paint paint this picture for me. What else should we be discussing right now? You you are the total expert here. Uh, I like to also. Um, highlight the importance of sleep, Mm. which goes back to our previous podcast. Um, But I um, looked up a paper that looked specifically at sleep habits and susceptibility to common cold. And uh, it has been shown uh, that sleep deprivation and decreased quality of sleep may increase your risk of catching common cold three times. Wow. Compared to getting enough sleep. So that's a, that's a, that's a big one. And uh, a similar uh, study that, that was done in 25 healthy young men um, uh, with fl- flu shots uh, was, looking, was comparing getting flu shots after, uh, you know, regular, um, regular sleep yeah. compared with sleep deprivation. And after only four days of sleeping four hours per night, um, these men who were immu- that, that got their flu shot were able to um, secrete only half the amount of antibodies against uh, the flu compared with men who were getting their sleep. So this highlights the importance of sleep for our immune function, um, and it seems to be super important for people with asthma who are at high risk. So the idea is if you're chronically sleep deprived, you're not only run down, Mm. but even the benefits of vaccinations and so forth are reduced and your general immune strength is is worse. Plus, if you're unconscious, you can't re- reach for a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> if, if, if you're asleep, you eat better, right? <laughs> Just right. to say you don't eat at all. Yeah, right. That's that's a big point. And, uh, you know, we talked about this. I believe somebody wrote in uh, when we did the, the Q&A episode a, a few days ago um, wanting to know about, well, what can we do to decrease the stress right now? Because it is all around us. And so, you know, let's kind of revisit that a little bit because this is still a very stressful time. People need those eight hours, perhaps now more than ever. What should we be doing, Dr. Barnard? Yeah, um, several things. Um, I, I think this is not the time to tell people to, to, to uh, not work and things like that. People can't help it. They've got work to do. They've got worries. They're caring for their families. Life is, is uh, difficult. I don't think it's realistic to say to everybody, just cut back down. Uh, on that. I think what we need to do instead is build into our schedule certain things that we can rely on that are going to help us. Um, one of my favorites is when the clock strikes 10, do what Dr. Kaliova said, go to sleep. <laughs> now, that may mean you're going to wake up a little early in the morning to get things done, but it's it's really good to prioritize your sleep and put it on the schedule like like a meeting, you know, with the fairies up in the uh, up in the heavens. You're going to go to sleep at 10 o'clock and get that, get, get that sleep. Um, if people are having trouble with that, um, I encourage them to, to look at a couple of things. Sometimes people try to relax with uh, a drink before they go to sleep. And a glass of wine will lull you to sleep. The problem is that around 3 in the morning, 
your mischievous liver turns the alcohol into something called aldehydes that are stimulants, hmm. and they wake you up earlier than you thought you were going to. So then you're dragging through the day, and then 5 o'clock comes around, and you say, let me have another drink. Um, so we get into a kind of a bad situation. It also, if you didn't sleep well, you're going to have a cup of coffee or a second or a third or a fourth just to get through the day. And so the net effect is that we're actually more wired than we'd be otherwise. Mm. And if you didn't sleep, you'll eat anything just to get through the day, and you're going to try to do better the next day. Um, it's good if you can get some exercise in if you can, and that's partly because exercise is good. Um, over the long run, it does help with immunity. But I have a couple of caveats. Um, one is dress warmly. Um, so many people will say, don't worry about it. I can just wear anything I want to. I am a big advocate for um, not assuming that 20 minutes from now my body will heat up on this run. You're cold now. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you need to maintain your body temperature um, when you're running. The, the, the second part of this is that I'm convinced that when people run and, and or or if you're not into running, a brisk walk or something like that, they sleep better as a result. Um, if you go out in the sun, you go out with somebody else, you might be at a six-foot distance while you're doing that. There you go. But what you'll discover is that that itself can be stress-reducing itself. So you're saying, how am I going to do that? Well, let's say you've got a meeting with somebody. It's not a crazy idea necessarily to say, I've got three things i got to go over. Do you want to go outside with me? <laughs> Let's just bundle up. Let's just go over the, the, this outside. Mm. You can do that. Um, our folks do that all the time. You, you find yourself walking a little more briskly if you've got a lot of urgent things on your, on your agenda. But it's a funny way to get your, your exercise. My point is, Let's be real. There's only 24 hours in a day, but schedule your sleep. Schedule your exercise. Don't overdo it with alcohol and coffee and stuff like that. Try to uh, eat as healthful as you can. You're not going to be perfect. Forgive yourself if, if things are not going your way, um, but we're going to get through this. I love that tip about just kind of building it into your day. I mean, that's that's what I found to be most successful when I was losing all of that weight was just making sure that you get it in during the day because I think that at the end of the day, it's you know just the thought when you're tired of going to the gym can be stressful, and so that triggers that whole other response. So yeah. you know, have a walking meeting. I love that idea. I think that that's brilliant. Matter of fact, we should tape an episode. <laughs> outside. <laughs> uh, Dr. Kaliova, before we wrap things up, any final thoughts here? Uh, one more uh, practical recommendation, how to boost our immune system. Uh, when you are ending your shower and with a brief cold exposure, um, which will boost your immune system, uh, it has been shown that after a brief cold exposure where you know you will warm up quickly after after that uh, you will uh, produce more um, white blood cells and your immunity will be strengthened now when you're talking about a a shot of cold are you talking like turn the hot water all the way off and you just want it cold yeah. as cold can be as cold can be wow but only but only not, briefly but not, not for a half hour yeah yeah i mean <laughs> exactly. yeah that's awfully brave of you that is awfully brave of you i i you know i covered sports for so many years and i saw those guys sitting in the ice bath and i'm just like i don't know how how they're doing this right now that's amazing that's i had no idea that had an, an immuno response and that's why i love this show because people learn so much every single time they listen that is just fascinating to me um but uh, seriously uh to uh, the both of you thank you so very much for taking time to be here with us today um especially with this asthma the respiratory issue with covid19 the coronavirus i mean it's so important right now 
And so the, the release of this paper is just super, super timely. And we will link off to it in the episode notes. You can also find it on PCRM.org if you want to read all of the literature. And we'll also link off to this encyclopedia's worth of studies mm-hmm. that you have brought with you today. So um, can I also mention one of the Yes, by all uh, means. Uh, if people do go to our website, PCRM, PCRM.org slash asthma, they'll see information there. And if people say, are they saying, my son has asthma? or my spouse has asthma, or I have asthma, and you're afraid to go to the doctor in your community, we are now offering telemedicine mm-hmm. here through Barnard Medical Center, um, as, as we've, we've, we've talked about. And I hope people will take advantage of that if they live in New York, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, or Massachusetts, or Missouri. Um, those are the states where we can provide telemedicine visits. You can see a doctor right on your computer screen or on your phone. I know a lot of offices are turning to that right now uh, during this outbreak. I'm assuming that uh, our guys upstairs are are keeping pretty busy, huh? Um, They are. And if for people who want an appointment, just call 202-527-7500 and one of our caregivers would be glad to see you. And we will also put that number in the episode notes if uh, you didn't get a chance to jot that down. So Dr. Barnard, Dr. Kaliova, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you, Chuck. If you're listening on Apple Podcast and you scroll down a little bit, there is a long list of links to the studies we were talking about in the episode notes, including the studies on the antiviral effects of garlic, resveratrol, and ginger. It's all fascinating research that I encourage you to check out as well as the paper itself, The Role of Nutrition in Asthma Prevention and Treatment, that was put out by Drs. Barnard, Kaliova, and their team. Now, I also wanted to pass along a few other notes on asthma and COVID-19, just to kind of follow up on what it was that we were talking about. Now, this goes beyond taking the steps that we discussed as far as eating healthier and getting enough sleep. This is from the CDC. This is what you should be doing to prepare for COVID-19. A lot of this is kind of common sense stuff. Minimize your contact with people outside of the home and make sure that anytime if you do have to head out, that it is absolutely essential. And that is especially true if you are planning to fly. And when you do go out, make sure that you keep that safe distance from others, social distancing. The CDC also says to avoid large crowds. Now, that is a lot easier for us to do right now, given the way that a lot of things are being shut down. But here in Washington, D.C., I got to tell you, every year it's a big deal when the cherry blossoms along the Tidal Basin on the National Mall, they bloom. It's absolutely gorgeous. But the National Park Service, who controls that area, they don't want people congregating there. They don't want the enormous crowds that come in every year. And so they've shut down the metro stations that are right there. They've closed all of the streets that surround this. And still, and still, people are showing up in droves to take pictures, to do their selfie thing, and get together with friends. The CDC is saying that is a no-no for right now. And of course, another practical tip, wash your hands or use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. And if someone in your home is sick, have them isolate themselves. Stay away from everyone else. And that will lower the risk of spreading the virus throughout the house. And the last common sense tip that they have don't share the same cup. Don't use the same towel. I know that it's very easy to share sometimes with family members, but this is not the time to do that. This is the time to be just a little bit selfish. 
and then closer to home now. If you're interested in scheduling a telehealth appointment with one of our doctors or dietitians at the Barnard Medical Center, we've posted a link for you to do that, as well as the phone number that you can call to make that appointment in the episode notes below. Now, here's the thing about today's show. There are a lot of people who can use this information. It could indeed prove to be life-saving. Check this out. According to the CDC, nearly 8% of the population has asthma. That's 25 million of our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, our children, friends, and neighbors. 25 million people with asthma. And what we have learned today is that the effect of a plant-based diet on asthma, it can be huge. So let's get this information out there. And one of the easiest ways that you can do that is simply by subscribing to the Exam Room Podcast on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, wherever shows are available. And when you do that, please also leave a five-star rating because this is how it works, believe it or not. If you do those two simple things, subscribing and leaving a five-star rating, that improves our rankings in Apple Podcast and elsewhere. And the higher we climb in the rankings, the easier it is for people to find us. And we want people to find us so they can get this life-saving information. Another easy thing that you can do is just to share the show with a friend or a family member or put it on Facebook. Tweet about it. Let's just get this info out there. That way we can help out the next person. And that is what this is all about. And again, before we go, I just wanted to remind you that we are here for you. All of us here at the Physicians Committee are right by your side during this time. And if there is ever a question that you would like to have answered on the show by a doctor, we would love to try to help you out with that. We're going to be doing another full show devoted to nothing but questions and answers with the doctor in the near future. We just did one with Dr. Barnard earlier this week, and it went famously well. So let's get you some more answers. Go ahead now and send in your questions. There are a bunch of ways to do that. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC, or you can find me on Facebook and message me there. And the Physicians Committee is at PCRM on Twitter and at Physicians Committee on the gram, just spelled out that time. And when you do reach out to us, when you hit us up, use that hashtag exam room podcast. But for today, that's going to wrap things up. My thanks again to Dr. Barnard and Dr. Kaliova for their time. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe and keep it plant-based. <laughs>